Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Wyrick along with Kevin Haswell coming at you in the middle of a March Madness where we have seen some absolutely crazy upsets, most notably number 16 UMBC upsetting UVA, the number one seed, the first time that has ever happened in the tournament. Kevin, how you doing? Doing pretty good. I mean, massive amount of upsets today. Uh, right before we take this episode, Cincinnati goes down to two seed. Uh, Bearcats fall to Nevada, and then you got earlier today, uh, UNC goes down and Michigan State. I mean, got to be a lot of angry people out there, brackets being busted all over the place, but it's the best time of year for that. Um, I, you know, you get caught up in this, in this, you're kind of, you're kind of happy that um, these upsets are happening, but then you're getting screwed by your bracket, so it's kind of a, a you know, you're trading, trading off, but you know, what, what a time to be alive. What, you know, March Madness is, is great. Yeah, I mean, this is something nobody's ever seen before, especially in UMBC. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to talk too much about them because um, they are playing Kansas State as we record this podcast, currently up 12-8 to uh, with 10.56 left in the first half. So we will not be able to dive too much into them, but I did want to talk a little bit uh, about that UVA game. Kevin, what are some things that stood out to you uh, with the Cavaliers? You know, they were seen as the number one team coming into the tournament, um, and for them to lose in the first round, I mean, you know, we've kind of gotten used to seeing this from UVA, but not on this biggest stage. Yeah, you know, the, the problem with UVA in that game was, you know, their defense just broke down in the second half. I mean, uh, going into halftime, it was, you know, give or take five points between the two teams. Uh, but UMBC came out hot in the second half. Uh, they really hit every shot they need to hit down the stretch. And I think UVA really missed DeAndre Hunter. Um, you know, in the second half, when they really needed some three-point buckets to keep themselves in the game, they just weren't following. Uh, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy couldn't carry that team. Uh, you know, couldn't carry them all the way back. And it, it all comes down to, I don't think UVA was really built to win games that go 60-plus in points. Uh, you know, they only scored 54 points against UMBC. And, you know, the ter- or the Retrievers scored 74. And, you know, once, you know, they got well over 65, 70 points, I knew, knew the game was over. This, you, the problem with UVA was I think everyone got so hyped up on their defense, everyone forgot about how bad their offense was. And, you know, that was the downfall in this game. And it's unfortunate, you know, first uh, one seed to go down uh, in, in NCAA basketball history and, you know, it's one that we'll always remember. But, you know, for basketball fans, it was a treat because uh, it was historic. But, you know, get hats off to the Retrievers. And, you know, I kind of, you know, at this point, I'm rooting for the 16 to see to uh, continue winning. Yeah, I mean, this was the first time all season that UVA gave up over 70 points. Um, its previous high was to West Virginia on December 5th in a game that UVA actually lost. Um, before going on that big streak before losing once again to Tech. 
So, I mean, this was a team that looked pretty unbeatable as long as, you know, they could limit you from behind the, har- the arc. But with UMBC shooting 50% from threes, uh, that kind of just wrote the book for them. Um, you know, and, and we've seen this from UVA in the past of not being able to go deep in the tournament. Um, you know, and there were a lot of people questioning um, Coach Bennett's future uh, prior to this season. So you'd think that, you know, go, they're not going to let go of him here. Um, but with a rough year next year, we could be seeing a change in guard there um, for the Cavaliers. So definitely an upsetting game for them. Um, but in terms of the tournament as a whole, I think it makes for great basketball, gets, you know, great storylines, getting to see a team like, you know, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I mean, who, who's talking about them? Um, but here we are, you know, they've already beaten the number one seed. So honestly, the road is only easier from here, um, you know, facing Kansas State now. So, uh, you know, I like their chances. We'll obviously see what happens in this game. But um, we'll go ahead and look at two number 11 seeds. These are games that happened today um, that we can talk about in Syracuse and Loyola, Chicago. Uh, Loyola, Chicago topped Miami, uh, number six seed, followed by Tennessee. Um, and then Syracuse over on the other side of the bracket goes against TCU and then Michigan State today, uh, winning a close one, even though a lot of the team was in foul trouble. Um, Kevin, which of these two teams stands out to you as the biggest contender to go deeper into the tournament? Syracuse, um, you know, their defense has been terrific. We've talked about this on, you know, past episodes with the UVA. And, you know, I just talked about how everyone is so hyped on this UVA uh, defense. But, uh, you know, they faltered. They didn't play great defense against UMBC. And Syracuse continues to play great defense. I mean, multiple times this year, they've held teams that are averaging over 80 points a game to less than 60 points in a game. And, you know, they did it again today. I think Michigan State is averaging right around 80 points a game. Uh, coming in, and Syracuse held them to 53 today. You know, Syracuse is offense. You know, not not that great this year. Uh, you know, they're 300 plus, uh, 350 teams, uh, most offensive categories. So you know, they're not really NCAA tournament caliber offense. But if they can keep up this stout defense and this timely shooting, I really like their chances. Uh, we'll see how they play against you know one of the best offensive teams in the country. They got Duke coming up. The two seeded Blue Devils blew out. Uh, Rhode Island in their round or round two win or round two twenty five point win. So, you know, I, I like Syracuse more than Loyola Chicago, but uh, hats off to the Ramblers. Yeah, I mean, both games were um, you know pretty exciting. Uh, with Loyola Chicago, you know, winning on that that big three at the end um, to send them to the next round, and then today um, against Tennessee, another close one, a one point win. So. Uh, I, I like, you know, obviously playing in close games, being able to close that out is huge. Um, with, with Syracuse, they were able to do so against um, Michigan State and coming from behind. But I really just like, you know, this energy that the Loyola team brings. Um, you know, they're coming out of nowhere, like I said, kind of about UMBC, not really talked about. Whereas Cuse has been a program that, you know, with Bayheim at, at the helm, you know, you get a lot of attention, of course. Um, and then also just being a program like Syracuse. Um, but, you know, with the foul trouble that Cuse was getting into, um, and they, and they, you know, have had some injuries um, in the front court this season. I really don't know if they're going to be able to sustain going deep into the tournament. Um, a big testament to that is they only played, you know, seven players uh, in their game against Michigan State, despite the fact that starting guard Frank Howard uh, fouled out. You know, that that kind of shows that they really don't have a lot of depth. They don't, especially Bayheim doesn't have faith in their depth. Um, and by the end of this tournament, we might see some players that are a little more tired. Um, than we would. And of course, going against Duke, one of the most prolific offenses in the country, I'm just not sure if I can justify picking um, Cuse to go any farther into the tournament. 
whereas Loyola, you know, aside from just being a good story, um, they're timely shooters, uh, have had, you know, an impressive uh, couple of wins, and now they're going against a seven seed in Nevada, uh, who just topped Cincinnati, like you said earlier in the show. So I think, you know, just the seeding in general gives them a good spot. Um, and they're in the same bracket as UVA. So with a 14 seed and a 15 seed currently squaring off, one of the two is going to win uh, between Kansas State and UMBC against Kentucky. And then the winner of that could theoretically play Loyola Chicago for a bid um, in the Final Four. So I think I think Loyola Chicago has the easiest path as any, especially with that number one seed taken out of the picture. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of see what you're saying there. I mean, they have to play Nevada while Syracuse is like Duke. Uh, Syracuse does have, you know, the film on Duke. They're in the same conference, so they've already. Um, I'm not sure if they played this year, um, but you know, I, I mean, they, they know them a little bit better than Loyola Chicago knows Nevada. But also, um, Chicago Loyola is going to also have to play Kentucky, who's one of the hottest teams in the country. I think at the end of the day, Kentucky comes out of that region uh, to the Final Four. Uh, what what do you who do you think comes out of that region? You know those four teams. You got a five, seven, and eleven, and a potentially a nine or sixteen um, seed. What, where do you think the final four team lies between those four? I mean, you got to think Kentucky's the favorite here. I mean, not just being that top seed. I mean, a lot of people were saying that Kentucky was underseeded anyway coming into the tournament. I mean, obviously they haven't had the same year maybe that we're used to seeing out of Coach Calipari's teams. Um, but at the same time, you know, they have the experience in coaching. Um, they, you know, have had a couple of, uh, five-star recruits that maybe didn't turn out to be the players that they thought they would be, but at the same time, you know, they are still, you know, highly regarded players, um, very good, uh, in high school, uh, and, you know, their strength of schedule was fourth in the country and they still came out 26 and 10. So for them to, you know, go through such a grind all year, um, and still come out of it with 26 wins, I think is incredible. Um, and you know, I really would not be surprised if we saw this team in the championship. I mean, you know, looking down with UNC going down in that bottom bracket, it's really Xavier now, um, as the top team, in that conference and probably Michigan there as too. Um, you know, it's not as maybe stifling as, you know, Duke on the other side or Villanova. I think, I think right now the two best teams in the country are, uh, that are still alive in the tournament are Duke and Villanova. Um, and for, for right now, it looks like, you know, they won't be seeing either of them until the championship. Yeah. I think you also have to, uh, you know, talk about Gonzaga. I mean, their road could get a lot easier, uh, tonight if Florida State can upset Xavier. Gonzaga, you know, slides right in. Um, to the Elite Eight, and they would have to play either Michigan or Texas A&M. I really like the way Gonzaga's playing. Uh, you know, they, beat, they just beat Ohio State by six. Uh, you know, a close first-round game, um, but that's to be expected. I mean, everyone's playing tough in those first-round games. I think Gonzaga has a chance to also make a Final Four run uh, as a, you know, a four-seater lower. Um, and, you know, did you watch the, the Michigan game last night? That was insane. That buzzer beater, um, that's why Mar- March Madness is so great. I know. We've seen just so many finals like that already. I mean, every year I kind of have to like think about, all right, last year was insane. I got to temper my expectations. Not every year is going to be like that. Every year is like that. There's always buzzer beaters. There's always great storylines like Loyal Chicago, um, you know, going through uh, throughout the entire bracket. So this has just been awesome to watch. And I'm looking forward to Michigan, Texas A&M. I mean, Texas A&M blew out UNC. It wasn't even close. So for these two teams to face off, uh, I think that's going to be a great game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those type of games are the, you know, the the games you're talking about that have been so amazing. I mean, that's what happens when you pack 48 
uh, basketball games in the same you know Thursday through Sunday span of some of the best teams in the country. I mean, it, it comes down uh, to the slightest of margins, and you know it's it's awesome to watch. Whoever designed March Madness deserves a. A huge pat on the back because they created one of the greatest sporting um, debacles uh, in history. But that's going to wrap us up for March Madness. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about some Sweet 16 games, uh, what's been going on. But we don't want to talk too much with a lot of teams and their um, futures not being decided yet. Uh, So we'll be back on Thursday to dive a lot more into March Madness than today. For now, though, I do want to talk about the Warriors. The Golden State Warriors are suffering from several injuries right now, most notably Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. Uh, Kevin, obviously the Warriors are going to finish with the top two seed in the Western Conference. That doesn't really you know, bother them, even if they don't come away with that number one seed. They're still going to have a very favorable schedule leading up to the Western Conference Finals in which they would obviously submit home court advantage uh, to the Rockets in Game 7. Kevin, do you think that there is anything to be worried about with these injuries? Maybe long-term issues, maybe you know, uh, not being, not rolling into the playoffs. What, what do you, what's your take? You know, I, th- I think it's tough. Uh, you know, the way they're playing right now, their best player on the floor is Draymond Green. Um, they don't, you know, like you said, they, they don't have Durant, Curry, Thompson, Patrick McCarr, or Omar Caspi. So, that, you know, those are a lot of big names. Uh, you know, McCaw and Caspi are especially important because both of those guys uh, provide some depth to this team in the playoffs. And, you know, the big issue I see with all of these injuries is not these guys coming back. It's being reinserted into the lineup uh, come playoff time. You know, it, it's really tough to take, you know, uh, they're not playing well right now, but it's really tough to take a bunch of players and throw them back into the lineup and everyone changes their roles. And it's, you know, it's really tough to overcome. I, I could see the Warriors falling to, you know, uh, you know, maybe the three seed. And, they're, you know, usually one of the best defenses in the NBA, and they're 10th in defensive rating this year. So I'm a little concerned about the Warriors. Uh, it's really hard for me to say, you know, I'm out on them because these guys are going to come back, and I have a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of hope in what Durant and Curry can do this for this team. But at the same time, I mean, you have to look at it uh, with a little, pe- little bit of a pessimistic view and think that, you know, it might not be like seasons past where, they, you know, they can just reintegrate these guys into the offense and be the same team that they were before. So, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about the Warriors, but we'll see. Uh, the Rockets continue to play well, uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think the Warriors are going to be slipping out of that number two seed. They're uh, nine and a half games up on the Blazers, and with only 11 games left, they're probably not going to, you know, fall enough where the, the Blazers could pass them uh, for that number two seed. However... Uh, you're, you're right in that it's definitely no joke being out sliding players who are rusty back into you know play, uh, rotations, especially when you know everyone is giving it their best in the playoffs. It's just definitely not you know an automatic boost necessarily. Um, but we what I do like is that you know this does give some players the opportunity to showcase their skills, and we're seeing a lot of Quinn Cook, um, who scored his career high in points in back-to-back games um, in Curry's absence, uh, scoring 28 uh, against the Suns. So you know I think. And 25 against the Kings. So I think that, you know, while this necessarily isn't good, obviously having your players hurt could, you know, that injury might creep up in the playoffs. And then, you know, you have a real big issue. Um, Any of those three guys are out. You're going to have some huge problems. Um, But if, you know, if everyone comes back healthy, this is honestly giving some players a chance to, you know, prove that they might be 
be able to be relied on a bit more in the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously it's a small sample size and we've seen with some other teams. Um, but as far as the Warriors go, you know, nobody really talks about their bench, how it's fallen off in the, this year as opposed to previous years. And like you said, that defensive rating is taking a huge hit because a lot of their rotation guys were very solid defenders. Um, and with them slowly being phased out of the team as contracts have to be you know, handed out, I think that, you know, this is good for the team just to kind of gauge some of their players a little bit more because, you know, you don't get to see a lot of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they might find some uh, hidden gems, and I really like what I've seen out of uh, Jordan Bell this year. I mean, uh, you know, the second-round pick by the Warriors, um, he's – can't find him. Oh, there he is. So, you know, 4.8 points, 3.6 rebounds, a block a game, just over 14 minutes. He's going to – he's been providing a boost while these guys are out. Uh, I really like – I really like Steve Kerr getting to really find out uh, some of the hidden gems in this roster. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are filling in that are very talented. Uh, but, you know, I, do you, would you put money on the Rockets to win the Western Conference? I mean, I it's tough at this point. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I think the Rockets were already busting into that level of, of conversation that we have. I mean, obviously the Warriors are the favorites until they, they're beaten. Um, but it's the same as the as the East right now, you know. I think there is not necessarily. I think there's a disparity between the Celtics, Raptors, and then the Cavs. I think that there's definitely the Cavs are not as good um, as we're seeing. They're not really clicking with that new offense, and it's kind of hard to do that midseason, obviously. Um, but as far as the Warriors go, I think they the Rockets brought themselves to that level uh, last year. I thought they were, but you know, obviously the way they played in the playoffs wasn't enough. I think that this year's team just um, how they played throughout the year. I mean, James Harden is the MVP. Um, you know, Clint Capella is, is one of the more underrated, uh, players in the league. Uh, and, and of course there's Chris Paul and Eric Gordon, um, you know, who get talked about as some of the more prolific shooters in the NBA. So I, I, I just can't bet against this team right now with the way they're playing, especially coming off of that massive winning streak. Um, I don't think anyone's playing better than the Houston Rockets right now. Uh, maybe the Blazers, but, uh, as far as, you know, who the best team in, in the Western conference is, I, I've got to go with the Rockets at this point. Western Conference, I, I it's gonna be tough because I don't see who the Warriors are gonna match up um, with Clint Capella. I mean, he's can he can be a gigantic mismatch for them. Um, you know the way Harden can lob to him, uh, will you know provide really that paint presence that has given the Warriors trouble in the past. Uh, and he's you know he's fast up and down the floor. He's not slow. Um, so you know, watch out for Clint Capella. If, you know, he has a big series and. You know, whenever they meet in the playoffs, this could be very interesting. Um, you know, the way James Harden has played, I think he has to be handed down the MVP. So, you know, Rockets, very good. Um, Warriors, you know, my um, sitting back and just waiting how they develop, to see how they develop um, after these guys come back from injury. But, yeah, like I said, the Western Conference is very intriguing right now. Yeah, I mean, if we had the playoffs today, uh, we would have a matchup of the Warriors-Spurs in the first round. Um, and talk about, you know, difference from a few years ago um, when these two, these two teams were facing off in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, you know, they're completely different clubs now, um, obviously with Kevin Durant now in the Warriors and Tim Duncan no longer on the Spurs. Uh, but this is, you know, with the Spurs trending downward, I don't think they're, they're going to be able to pose a threat. Uh, to Golden State, I, I mean, obviously, if Golden State lost in the first round, that would be 
absolutely, you know, crazy. But, um, you know, having experience against them, I think that would just make for a great matchup. Um, but after that, you know, it's, it's the Rockets conference to lose at this point, uh, 55 wins on the year, you know, they're, they're going gunning for 60 right now. Uh, and I don't know, I just, I can't bet against them. Uh, and I think the Western conference playoffs are really going to be pretty exciting. Cause if you look down the list right now, uh, let's go through winning streaks just without naming teams four in a row, one in a row, 12 in a row, six, the Timberwolves have lost one. Nine in a row, three in a row, one in a row. All those, all teams but one right now are on winning streaks uh, that are currently slated to be in the Western Conference playoffs. So uh, it's pretty incredible to, you know, what we're witnessing right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of hot teams at the right time. I mean, a couple of days ago I was looking at the standings and the Jazz were in 10th place. And, you know, they've moved their way up to 5th already. I mean, there's, there's such a small margin for error for a lot of these teams. Um, it'll be very interesting to see down the stretch who really locks up those playoff spots because I think there's only two games separating the three seed and the ten seed. Uh, so you know, a lot of uh, not a lot of room for error for a lot of these teams, and I, I'm really excited to see who gets left out. Yeah, I mean, I would talked about this with Mitchell on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago where we talked about the Spurs. Uh, you know. We've got four teams tied for fifth right now at 15 and a half games back from the Rockets, uh, 571. They're all 40 and 30 um, at the time of this recording. Uh, and then you have the Clippers and Nuggets who are two games back of them. So of those six teams, four are going to make the playoffs. And while, you know, all due respect to the Clippers, and I really, I'm really surprised they've hung around for as long as they have. But they just don't seem like playoff material. The Nuggets might be able to sneak in um, a little bit, but... Uh, with the T-Wolves, Jazz, Spurs, and Pelicans, I mean, those are four very good teams, and I, I think the Western Conference playoffs are really going to shape out to be, you know, one of the better ones we've seen. I, I feel like we haven't had um, a lot of drama in the first couple rounds, I mean, with the Warriors and Cavs being as good as they have been the past few years. There hasn't just been a lot of room for excitement, and this, this I don't know, this year feels a little bit different, you know. It, obviously, it, it's tough for two teams to make it to the finals every year uh, for how many years in a row, but... Um, this year, I don't know, something, something feels different in the water. And I think we're going to be seeing a different team other than, you know, at least either the Warriors or the Cavs. I, I don't think the Cavs have what it takes, um, with the roster that it has right now. I think, you know, Cleveland is certainly led by the best player in the NBA. And then, you know, they have a lot of good supporting players. They're going to be, you know, among one of those better teams, obviously just because of LeBron, but I feel like it's just not a complete team the way it stands right now. Um, and I can't, you know, I can't pick Cleveland over Boston, uh, or, you know, maybe Toronto, but Boston clearly to me seems like the better team between the two. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the Celtics haven't been playing well over the last couple months either. So to pick the Celtics to beat the, um, you know, to beat the Cavs, I, I just, I'm not sold on it. I mean, I don't see anyone in the Celtics shutting down LeBron. I think this is more of a revamped, uh, you know, younger, a little bit more hops. Um, I really like this Cavaliers team. I think the Raptors are kind of pretenders at the top. Uh, the Celtics, you know, they're good, but uh, Kyrie Irving uh, is banged up. Some other guys, Marcus Smart just had surgery. There's a lot of issues with that team. Um, and then, you know, you go down the rock, down the standings after that. you got the Wizards, Pacers, Sixers, Bucks, Heat. I don't see any of those teams. No disrespect to trust the process. Don't think any of those teams can go to the uh, NBA Finals. So, I think it's basically between the Cavs and the Celtics, and I just can't see the Celtics winning a seven-game series against LeBron. 
I mean, they showed last year that they could get there, but they're just not good enough. I mean, maybe with Gordon Hayward they would be, but who knows how healthy he'll be if he comes back in time. And, uh, you know, I think LeBron's going to win the Eastern Conference one more year before he heads west. I don't know. I mean, I think giving Kyrie a team uh, opened up a lot of doors for him. He's having you know a great season, averaging 24 points a game, player efficiency rating 25. Um, and I, I don't know, Jason Tatum, one of the best rookies in this class, Al Horford, a very underrated power forward uh, who, you know, isn't given a lot of credit for what he brings to this offense. Um, you know, I do really like uh, him in the post game. I think he's one of the better power forwards in terms of that um, that they have. Um, but they also just have so much depth. I mean, you know, you go from Mark, Marcus Morris, uh, Terry Rozier, who, or Rozier, who hit a, had a triple-double in his first career start. Marcus Smart, very good point guard as well. Um, able to bring up the ball when he needs to, but also can play uh, on the wing if, if needed. Um, I just, I really like this team. And, you know, for if Gordon Hayward comes back, that's only going to make them better. Um, well, like we talked about earlier, you can't just, you know, throw a guy in there after an injury and, you know, expect him to play exactly how he did before. Um, but I think, you know, anything you can get out of him is a bonus at this point. Um, but I just really like everything about this team. And I, I don't know, I've, I'm worried as a Wizards fan uh, as to, you know, how deep the Wizards can go if they have to play against the Cavs because, I mean, the Celtics, because of the way the seating, you know, keeps shaking up. Uh, one day, you know, one team's in third, one day they're in fifth. You would have no idea really who's going to shake up where but over the next like 11 or 12 games. Um, but I think the Cav- the Celtics and Cavs are clearly the two best teams um, and I can't see, I can't see the Raptors holding either of them off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be a very interesting series you know, between the Celtics and the Cavs when it comes down to it, because the Celtics are, you know, 16th in offensive rating and then first in defensive rating. Cavs a little opposite. Um, they're towards the bottom of the league in defensive rating, but towards the top of the league in offensive rating. So two teams, um, kind of opposite styles. It will be interesting to see if you know, the Celtics defense can really slow down that Cavaliers offense, uh, especially LeBron James. And then the other way, um, whether the Celtics can you know keep up with LeBron. I mean, offense rating of 16th isn't you know amazing. Uh, yeah, it's middle of the pack, about average. So uh, definitely would be interesting. Uh, I'm really excited for these NBA playoffs. I don't know about you. Yeah, definitely. That's going to wrap up our NBA portion of the show. We'll finally move over to the NFL. Uh, where we have been seeing a flurry of off-season moves. If you hadn't had the chance to check out our last episode, we did talk a lot about the quarterback market uh, and how everything kind of shook out with all the free agency signings uh, and some of the trades that happened. Um, so if you haven't checked out that video, that podcast, you can go to our last one and let's give it a listen. I highly recommend. Now, we did have a trade since that show uh, between the Jets trading with the Colts uh, to acquire the number three overall pick in the draft. However, New York did have to pay a very steep price, giving up the sixth overall pick this year, as well as both their second rounders this year and a second round pick next season. Uh, so, you know, this is the cost of getting a quarterback these days. Um, they clearly saw that the Bills um, moving up in the draft uh, was a very big you know, threat to them. Um, they were trying to – these are the two teams that we determined last episode – uh, that, you know, really need quarterbacks right now. So with the Colts not really targeting quarterback, they could afford to drop down a few slots. Um, and wow, did they really get a return? Yeah, I mean, they moved down three spots. They're still projected in most mock drafts to pick the same guy. Uh, defensive uh, lineman out of North Carolina State, Bradley Chubb. So they're still getting the same guy, yet they got three second-round picks. Um, 
Graham Moore. So it's a win-win uh, for the Colts. You can obviously the, see the Jets are trying to go after a quarterback here. I think it's going to end up three quarterbacks are taking with the three first picks. Um, we'll see who goes where, but I think the Jets really, you know, could sense that they might not get a quarterback if they wait uh, the quarterback they want if they wait till sixth. Um, so you know they traded, you know, you know a king's ransom for that for that pick. Um, but it's also very interesting because you know they they're moving, they're moving up three spots for you know, three second round picks. But they just signed two quarterbacks. With they just signed Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, so one of those players may be cut if they go out and get a quarterback with this third overall pick. Yeah, I mean, I think the motive here for the Jets was to leap past the Bills. The Bills traded up. Uh, they traded tackle Cordy 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 Glenn. Sorry, uh, to move up from their twenty-one slot to number twelve. Uh, and they certainly had you know that pick to offer. Uh, the Colts to move up to that number three. I think it was a competition between those as to who could offer the better package. But with the Jets being able to offer that number six pick, plus going three second rounders between this year and next year, I mean, that's such a high price. I'm not sure if three picks necessarily work it, especially because the disparity among quarterbacks in this draft. I really don't think, you know, if you wait until six, you probably will have your choice of the third or fourth best quarterback, which, uh, you know, obviously not having the one or second or third best quarterback certainly hurts you, your chances. You know, you're, if you think, okay, Giants and Browns are definitely going to pick a quarterback first and second. Uh, so say, you know, Darnold uh, and Rosen are the first two. You've still got your choice between Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen at the third pick. Okay, if you move down to the um, the next pick down, I really don't think that, you know, Maybe one of those two guys get taken, but I can't imagine all four at the number six pick, all four quarterbacks having been taken. Um, and so they must really be sure that whoever that fourth quarterback is, they don't think will pan out, whether that's Baker Mayfield, whether that's Sam Darnold, whoever it is. Um, but I, I just don't understand how you can really think that those three picks are worth the difference of two quarterbacks because to me, you know, from my humble projections of quarterbacks, I really don't think that, you know, Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen are really a significant drop-off from Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, especially, you know, projections are all over the place right now. Nobody knows they're going to be great or they're not going to be, you know, we've had drafts before, uh, most notably recently with Andrew Luck and RG3, where everyone was sure that they would both be, you know, bonafide starters for the rest of their careers. Obviously, they didn't pan out with RG3 and, Andrew Luck has dealt with injuries, but at the time, everyone was sure these were the two guys, and that's why the Colts paid such a high price to get Andrew Luck, uh, because they were 100% sure that this was going to be their guy. So for the Colts to, I mean, for the Jets to make this trade, they really had to see a big difference between that number three and number four quarterback, and I just don't think that there is that difference right now. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at some mock drafts right now. A lot of them have Sam Darnold going number one to the Browns. Uh, Josh Allen going to the Giants number two, and then Baker Mayfield three. So uh, in this mock draft I'm looking at right now, Josh Rosen doesn't get until 15th. Um, it looks like his stock's dropping a little bit. And Baker Mayfield, I mean, is him and Josh Allen's stock is going way up. I mean, Baker Mayfield was considered a late first-round pick for a while, and a lot of you know, mock drafts, you know, now he's slipping into the top ten. I think there's a real need for quarterback in the NFL, and, uh, it'll be very interesting to see where all these quarterbacks lie because you know a lot of where the a lot of how successful these quarterbacks are is in the situation they end up in, 
Uh, and I don't know about Baker Mayfield with the Jets. I don't. I just don't see the situation there for him to succeed. Yeah, I mean, regardless of who they get, I just think that you know the, the Jets have a lot more than quarterback to figure out. I mean, they haven't been a great team for years. I mean, Mark Sanchez was the last quarterback to lead them uh, to a playoff game. Um, and, you know, how many years has that been? Josh McCown had a great year for them last year, uh, throwing for almost 3,000 yards. Um, you know, good, not great, uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Um, but a 94.5% uh, passer rating. Um, you know, their running game definitely needs some work. Their defense has been very up and down in recent years. Uh, so for the, they for them to give up all of these picks, I just don't see you know them rising to a contender in a year. You know, like with with the Browns move so far, I could see them being a contender. That is not saying I'm not saying I'm gonna they're gonna make the playoffs, but they could be a contender next year if they you know finish out the draft with some solid picks. You know, we'll see how they navigate and everything. I think they could come out as contenders with the Jets right now with that trade. I think that takes them out of the conversation because they have so much more. You know, when Bilal Powell was your leading rusher last year and Robbie Anderson was your leading receiver, I mean, you know, you're going to put this quarterback, obviously, you're going to have a starter above him. He's going to train under him, um, which seems to be where the league is going, by the way, um, with quarterbacks. He's going to have some time, obviously, to get better. Um, but you want to be good, too, you know, to give this player some exposure. Um, and if one of your quarterbacks goes down, you're going to have to throw your backup in there, um, which could be whoever you draft, especially if you decide to cut, um, you know, whoever, one of those two quarterbacks that you signed um, prior to the year. Uh, and I just don't see this being a great contingency plan for that. So if, if you're going to trade up for a quarterback, I really think you have to be 100% sure they're going to be a bona fide starter, uh, one of the you know great ones. And I just don't think even from the Jets' perspective, that they see those quarterbacks that way. I think they see them as very good quarterbacks, but with, you know, very tough-to-project ceilings, and that's where, you know, the issue lies for me. See, I just have a hard time to believe that they traded up. Not, they must have a guy in mind, and they must think they should. They could get him at number three. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think you give up three second-round picks unless you're 100% sure you're going to get a player. Uh, so they must have a quarterback in mind uh, that they believe that they, they can get with the <laughs> with that uh, third pick, so we'll see. I think you know a good option for them would be Baker Mayfield, but we'll see if that's the right situation. I don't, like you said, I don't know if there's a quarterback in this draft that can really take a team from nothing um, to the playoffs, but we'll see. Yep, I mean, you know, front office has a lot of work to do. Uh, before we start seeing them, you know, playing competitive games. Obviously, you know, playing in the AFC East, you're going to have um, a tough road ahead of you, obviously, with the Bills at the top. Um, but the, I mean, the Patriots, sorry, I don't know why it's the Bills. Bills did make the playoffs last year, though. So if they do get end up with a decent quarterback, you know, maybe that is the entire motive, is that they just don't want the Bills to take them out of uh, AFC wildcard contention um, because, you know, playing in that division, they're going to see them twice. If, if the Bills can beat them both games, that really hurts their chances. Um, but I just don't see this 5-11 team, you know, making that jump. And, and that's where I just have the biggest issue uh, with all of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you could pick one of these teams towards the top of the draft that could, you know, make the playoffs next year, it would be it would have to be the Giants, wouldn't it be? Um, you know, I, I can go back and forth. The Giants had a ton of injuries. So certainly, you know, they have a big issue. I think the Broncos still have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, where they might be able to turn some things around if they have some bounce back years. I mean, their defense was actually a lot more, a lot worse than a lot of people thought. I mean, uh, in terms of you know offensive rank, 
uh, or defensive rank. They scored, allowed the 22nd most points uh, in the NFL. Now, they didn't give up a lot of yards. They gave up the third third least yards. Um, but that point total is very concerning. Um, so I think they're definitely going to need some bounce back years. I definitely could see them. Um, obviously, with the 49ers, the, the way they play at the end of the year, uh, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. And then the other team is the Texans. The Texans were dealt a ton of injuries, uh, obviously losing you know one of the best defensive players in the league. And J.J. Watt for the year um, was huge. But Jadavian Clowney has really you know been that playmaker for them. He had nine and a half sacks last year. Started all 16 games. Has been very dependable for them. Um, and, and of course, you got to give uh, you know your starting quarterback an entire year uh, it would also be you know very helpful. Deshaun Watson uh, could have been rookie of the year had he played an entire season. Um, so getting him back, I think for the whole year, getting Lamar Miller for a whole year, uh, I think I think the Texans could make a jump next year for sure. Yeah, my you know mine has to be the Giants. I think getting Odell Beckham back. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do in the draft. I think they have a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, if they, if I was the Giants GM right now, and go out and get Saquon Barkley, I think putting him in that offense adds another weapon. I mean, they went on the, they spent a ton of money on a new offensive lineman, but you know, they still need that talented back that they don't don't have yet. I mean, Jonathan Stewart's all right, uh, but I think the Giants have the greatest potential to make a run in the playoffs next year. Um, but yeah, also the Texans as well. I mean, Deshaun Watson, you know, if he kept up his play, he might be an MVP candidate as a rookie. And then you put back maybe J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney in that defense. They're, they're very scary too. But it's very interesting that this year, unlike a lot of other years, there's a lot of teams in the top 10 of the draft that have the potential to make the playoffs the following season. That's not usually how it is. It's usually the bad teams. Uh, it, it's usually the bad teams that are just really bad and really need the picks. But this year, it's a lot of teams that had a lot of injuries last year um, and are now benefiting through the draft uh, because of those injuries. Absolutely. I mean, uh, also looking up and down this thing, the Giants aren't a sure bet uh, to draft a quarterback. I mean, imagine if they draft Saquon Barkley, uh, number two, you know, that that trio. Um, if Eli Manning can have any kind of comeback next year, I think that that trio between Odell Barkley and, and Manning can work very well. Um, you know, Manning has worked well off the play action in the past, and I think obviously adding Barkley to that mix would be huge. Um, and if that happens, then the you know I think the Jets trade pans out a lot more uh, simply because they're able to choose the top two, one from the top two quarterbacks in the draft, um, which is huge. It, you know, and I think honestly, if the Giants are, are, are looking at you know not taking a quarterback, they should honestly entertain the Bills on what kind of offer they'd be interested in. Because um, the Bills can leapfrog the Colts, that would be huge uh, for them in terms of selecting a quarterback. Uh, you know, it would be a huge damper on you know what the Jets had to pay for that trade. You know, now if say this, if you're the if you're the Bills right now, the package that the Jets gave uh, to the Colts for the number three pick, I think that package, being able to leapfrog a division rival and take the number two quarterback in the draft uh, in a deep draft of quarterbacks would be a perfect trade for the Bills. So if they're willing to make that kind of deal, I think the Giants should go listening. I don't know, Kevin, you cover the team a lot more than I do. Do you think that's something they would be interested in doing? Yeah, you know, the GM, uh, Dave Gentleman, I mean, he's been open to trading that pick, uh, but we'll see. I mean, it's kind of smart for a team as, with their talent on their roster right now to move back, get some assets and some draft picks. Um, and, but, you know, we'll see. I think the right offer has to come across the table. And as you have to be seen, obviously, because they haven't made the deal. So uh, 
Uh, you know, moving forward, I think it's smart for the Bills maybe move up if they want a quarterback, uh, and the Giants would be smart to move down. But you know, there's got to be the right deal for both sides. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that Nathan Peterman isn't the starting QB moving forward for them. Um, excuse me. So I think that you know this is this is a very big opportunity for the Giants to bolster their squad because you know while they definitely had some injuries and uh, look like bounce back candidates for sure. You know, it can't help to add volume uh, of players. You know, they certainly had some areas that could have used uh, maybe a bit of a pick-me-up. And certainly their secondary, which they're tearing apart as we speak, um, is going to need, you know, a player or two to fit in there. If they can get another second-round pick um, and to add an extra player in the defensive, uh, the DB, uh, DB core, I think that that would play huge dividends for them. Um, and, and, of course, you know, the Bills are a team that need the, need the deal um, with Nathan Peterman throwing the five picks in his first game, it's how he's always going to be remembered. Um, but he didn't play much better in the other appearances he had as well when Tyrod was dealing with injuries. So this is clearly he's not the future. I think, you know, they, the Bills now look at him kind of like the Broncos look at Paxton Lynch. Uh, just kind of, you know, we tried, didn't work out. You know, second round, court, second round pick QBs have not been doing well uh, in recent drafts. Look at Deshaun Kaiser as well. Um, just not really, you know, panning out for him. So I think that this is an opportunity for the Bills to rectify their mistakes um, and trade up as long as they're willing to, you know, uh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a little, little more time before the NFL draft, so a lot more uh, opportunity for these teams to move up or move down if they like. I think there's a lot of potential with the, you know, the depth, the depth at quarterback this year uh, for those moves to be made, but. You know, you got to be really motivated to give up three second-round picks to move up just three picks in the first round. Um, still shocked that the Jets would make that kind of deal. Yes, sir. All right, that is going to do it for our show. Before we go, just wanted to run through. Clemson is absolutely destroying Auburn, 75-37, with seven and a half minutes left in the second half. So they will most likely be moving on, whereas UMBC is down five to Kansas State uh, at halftime. So I'm definitely going to be tuning into that game after the show ends. But... And, of course, Xavier is leading by one over Florida State. So um, enjoy the rest of the games tonight. I hope you all did enjoy them last night if you're listening to it on Monday. Um, And we will be back on Thursday for our next episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at PureSportsNet, like us on Facebook at PureSportsNetwork, and check out our website at PureSportsNetwork.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes. I am Matt Weirich. This is Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? And go Nats. Thank you all so much for listening and have a good one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.